Welcome to the debut episode of Goth Girl Horror, a hack slash podcast, part of the Radio Horror Network. Hack Slash is a comic book published by Image, Devil's Due Press, Dynamite, several others, with various crossovers, about a goth girl, Cassie, and her monster friend Vlad as they roam around the country hunting down slashers. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Serena. Hack Slash is the brainchild of artist, writer, Tim Seeley. She was the lone survivor of the Lunch Lady Killer, and she goes out into the country after several failed adoptions to hunt down slashers, much like her mother. Now, Tim created the character of Cassie very much in the way that Joss Whedon created Buffy the Vampire Slayer as the lone survivor, the final girl. Very much a very good trope of the horror movie industry. A lot of people comment the horror movie industry is not... What would you say? Uh, a lot of people think the horror movie industry uh, puts down women in a lot of ways. And it does yeah. in certain respects. But, Serena, can you name how many horror movies the man is the survivor? Oh. Uh, right? You know what? I actually can't because I'm such a fan of the whole final girl trope. With the exception that... of the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, which has Jessie, the first gay scream queen, I can't think of a lot of... <laughs> male survivors of horror movies not counting vampire movies or monster movies or werewolf movies or zombie movies but even then they really can't either because those usually have a large group of people like the lost boys they all survive uh yeah our main our main hero characters kind of all survive you know it's not just yeah but as far as like that one lone survivor at the end of the movie being a man i cannot come up with one of them yeah, and I've met the actor who played Jesse from Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, and he he prides himself on being like the you know the very few, very exclusive club of guys who have survived horror movies. Um, yeah, you know Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, Paul, Paul's character survives Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, who is the boyfriend of yeah. Amy Steele's character. But Amy Steele, who plays Ginny, is considered to be mostly the main character. She's the one who puts on Jason's sweater and confronts Jason and uses his you know, mental health problems, let's just call it, to trick him into believing that she's the reincarnation of his dead mother. Tommy Jarvis from Friday the 13th, part 4, 5, and 6. You know, that takes a lot of guts and stuff. We have Nancy, we have, you know, from the first Nightmare on Elm Street. We have mm-hmm. uh, Lisa Wilcox, who played Alice in the other Nightmare on Elm Street movies. We have Sidney Prescott in the Scream films. Yes, which actually I do feel like there is a bit of a Scream Sydney Prescott homage in the first issue. At least it's one of those lines that as soon as I hear it, me being a grew up in the 90s with Scream and all that, and immediately that's who I thought of. And who I realized that I feel like Cassie kind of reminds me of a little bit. Like if Sydney went bad and wanted to seek revenge. Like coming in like a goth chick. Right? I mean, a girl can dream. <laughs> So the formula for the podcast going forward mm-hmm. until we until we end, which won't be for a very long time, because this <laughs> Hackslash, I believe, has one of the most unique publication histories I've seen uh, by an independent character in a long time. Characters like Cerebus yeah. or anything published by Image Comic Books has a continuing history 
whether or not they were canceled or not, certain characters like Spawn and Savage Dragon are still being published today with their original numbering, yeah. Terra, Witch of the Black Rose. Mm-hmm. But you look at like a character like Venom, published by Marvel Comics, and that had a series of one of miniseries and in, in, in crossover one shots uh, before it uh, they stopped publishing Venom comics and they came back with you know ongoings and Venom's got an ongoing again. Cassie was one shot, one shot miniseries, one shot, one shot, one shot crossover. Then an ongoing series, then a bunch of crossover one shots scattered throughout, which we are going to do these in publication history order the best we can. If we miss a date, don't criticize us. There might be a reason why we're doing it. Uh, for instance, we might delay the Chucky issue to tie into the upcoming Child's Play movie coming out in July, which was recently announced to have Mark Hamill playing the voice of Chucky, taking over Oop, from whoop. Brad Dorf. Internet lit up about that because Mark Hamill yeah. is a loved actor <laughs> um, and his psychotic Joker fits the character of Chucky. But we'll get there. We'll get very there. well. We'll get there. The formula for the comic book, the, for the podcast covering the comic book, is going to be as such. We're going to present the issue. We're going to talk about the cover, the the various covers, because sometimes some of these have more than one. Um, and then we're going to go through the plot line, uh, and then we're going to go through page by page by page. Then we're going to go over the ads, and then we'll discuss what uh, horror movies tied into the issue. We're also going to have a spotlight on a goth girl, really quick, that we both have maybe found online, you know, and hopefully mm-hmm. we'll have one of these goth girls on the show. So I'm going to start right away with the plot line to Hackslash, the first one shot, or as also called Hackslash Euthanized, which I don't think it was given the euthanized title until it was in trade paperback. I don't think it did either. Near Springfield, Illinois, Cassie and Vlad are taking down the cheerleader killer, which turns out to be a slasher. They also appear he's going to get up immediately thinking he is undead. He is not. We begin with the strange story of Cassie Hack, which is a two-page summary discussing her origin story, the Lunch Lady Killer. The Lunch Lady Killer is Cassie's mom, who killed her entire class. Cassie was being picked on. Very similar to Jason Voorhees' origin, where Jason's mom wanted revenge for the way her son was mistreated, Cassie's mom felt the same way, and Cassie betrays her mother, and then unfortunately, her mother would be reborn as a vengeful slasher from beyond the grave, and Cassie would have to kill her own mother. Driven by the guilt, lacking any human connection, she runs away on her life to hunt down slashers, and eventually runs into Vlad. We switch over to Eminence. Is it pronounced Eminence? Yes. Eminence, Indiana. Todd and his girlfriend are killed by an undead cat, and Bobby, our serial killer, our slasher, excuse me, respectively. Cassie and Vlad learn about the deaths at the coffee shop and head to Elstein and Bell's animal shelter. Lisa Elstein is distraught over Todd's death, and Kyle Bell wants to limit the animals coming in to avoid upsetting her. Cassie and Vlad come, but are forced to leave by Sheriff Don before they can ask anything else. Very reminiscent of uh, several episodes of Supernatural, if you've ever seen that TV series. Don yes. knows things about the deaths. Cassie and Vlad staking out the shelter in the night. Cassie asks, says she thinks she fights the undead to avoid trying to fit into society because she enjoys it. And sees someone attacked by the undead animals and go out trying to get back to Elston's Bell home in the van. Don and assistant Jessica are killed by the animals and Bobby. And then Don tells Kyle that he's back in their last phone message. Cassie and Vlad arrive and force Kyle to tell the whole story. Jealous of Bobby Brunswick's, they bullied him and accidentally gassed him to death, 
with Don and Todd's help. Lisa furiously breaks up with him and goes to the bathroom and cries, but that's when Bobby attacks. Cassidy reveals to have intentionally used them as bait to draw in the animal-related slasher. Killed after an extensive fight, Vlad's injured and Cassie and Lisa kill Bobby with two gunshots to the head. Cassie wishes for a midget slasher, which is funny, that eventually does come up. <laughs> and Vlad is healed. Kyle's kicked out of the house and the hunters take Bobby's shovel as they leave as a trophy. Which is a trophy case we never really get to see that often. Cassie admits she hunts because she's she's hated slashes due to feeling she is just like them, probably because of her mother being one. Vlad says he follows her because she is nice to him, and he likes seeing her in a cheerleader outfit, which, too much to ch Cassie's chagrin, kind of creeps her out, but she lets it slide. <laughs> the last thing we see is a zombie cat jumps out at a uh, animal survivor, a dog. Possibly the end? Dun, dun, dun. One of the things that I want to point out that I really believed about this issue, and uh, thanks to Greg Elner, at Gregory Elner on Twitter, for helping me with the plot synopsis because uh, something happened to mine. It's pulpy and acrobatic, unlike subsequent issues where the, uh, it, the narration flows a little bit more. But this is the first issue of the whole series, so it definitely has a different kind of feel to it. It does, but I think they did like a really good job of setting up the story, giving us a bit of Cassie's backstory, why she does what she does, who Vlad is, how they met. That was a lot of story to fit into one issue, and I think they did it very well. Now, the first issue is written by Tim Seeley and penciled by Stefano Caselli. Some of the <laughs> other stuff that Tim has worked on has been G.I. Joe, Batman Eternal, Grayson, Nightwing, and recently has become the project manager for Heavy Metal Magazine alongside Kevin Eastman, co-creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Very, very cool. I have the original cover, but you also said that there is a uh, photo cover. My original cover has Cassie, Vlad, uh, a couple of the crazy animals, and Bobby wearing a, uh, a medical mask. Surgeon's mask? Surgeon's Something mask, like that. yeah. Like the, the ones you'd wear if you have a cold and they ask you to put a mask on. Yeah, that one. And then the photo cover, or the variant cover, B cover, my bad, is a photo of Cassie and Vlad. And the photo that they use, I don't, I'm not entirely sure who Vlad is portrayed by in the photo, although I wish I did. But the girl is Sandra Kammer, which we learn in the back of Omnibus number one, was a girl that Tim met at a uh, convention, and he had a crush on her. But due to distances and just fate never works that way, Nothing ever happened, but he did use her as the inspiration for Cassie's look. Now, do, is, do we also know where Cassie gets his name, her name from? Because I know where we get Vlad's name from. Where do we get Vlad's name from? I feel it like is, such a tale of a person. It's Tim's grandfather. Is it really? Oh, that's so cool. I had no idea. I thought it was just like a really cool name. Either way, it's still a cool name. Now, Stefano right. uh, Caselli, the artist on the comic book, he mm -hmm. is an Italian artist who has an incredible reputation, having worked on Spider-Man, Iron Man, The Avengers, West Coast Avengers, Ironheart, Captain America. Do we see a theme here? <laughs> I think so. And actually, to answer your earlier question, I'm not sure where Cassie's name came from. That doesn't... They don't mention anything about that. But in uh, the omnibus, it does say that her name was Cassie. And then it was almost changed to Andrea due to 
one of the main characters in CrossGen's Route 666. Mm -hmm. So her name was changed to Andrea, Andrea for short, but within a day or two, uh, Tim hated it. So he changed it back to Cassie. And it's okay because the other comic went out of business, but he said for sure that though his Cassie would beat their Cassie's ass, which of course she would. One of the best books that the artist worked on, in my opinion, was the recently ended, before it relaunched back to issue number one, Invincible Iron Man, which had writer Brian Michael Bendis on it. I actually actually loved that title. And all of his work on The Amazing Spider-Man, I I own every issue, which he uh, did alongside writer Dan Slott. So, by the way, just kind of jumping a bit ahead, because it's in the back or whatever, and credits are for comic books that are normally in the front, so this one's in the back. Mm -hmm. It has a very kind of movie movie poster-type credit sequence, where it says... A Tim Seeley, Stefano Caselli production. Writer Tim Seeley, penciler Stefano Caselli, colorist Sundar Ra, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sundar Raj. Sundar Raj. Letters by Marshall Dillon, graphic design by Mike Norton, produced by Devil's Due Publishing, president Josh Blaylock, art director Mike Norton, project manager Marshall Dillon, staff illustrator Tim Seeley, webmaster Chris Crank, and office manager Susan Bishop. We will go through the credits every single issue, just due to the credits okay. or where the credits deserve for all of the people who have contributed to Hack Slash, as well as any comic book published. All the comic book creators involved in that in any issue deserve to have their credits mentioned. They do. They do. Okay, so starting with the, uh, again, we already did the cover. Starting with the first uh, issue, it opens up in such a way, the first, like, let's say, the, the, the cheerleader killer, it makes you mm-hmm. think that possibly Vlad is the killer? Because you don't yeah. get a sense of what's happening until you really get into the meat of the story. Yeah, I really like that because it does kind of, it is a little bit of a flip. You think that you know how it's going to go. You see Cassie and this cheerleading coach or whatever walking through the woods and the shadowy character off in the cut. You you obviously think you know what's going to happen, but do you? Mm. Now, I know from the digital download of omnibus volume one the coloring in it is bright and i have the original floppy comic books in my hand which i know a lot of people are listening to this probably going why aren't they ccg graded because comic books are going to be <laughs> read not just put on display to be like look i own that but i don't read it <laughs> <laughs> but in the future i will probably be using the omnibuses so my comic books don't get like my oily hands on them then we switch over to a couple making out in a car and getting it on Here's my big problem with it. Oh, before I, I almost skipped over it. Do you like how the origin of Cassie is in black and white? It's not in black and white in the omnibus. It's in a sepia tone. Okay, so this is kind of a sepia tone, too. It's like a brown. It's like a Game Boy color yeah. version, right? Like original Game Boy? There you go. <laughs> this couple getting it on in the car, he is in the mm-hmm. driver's seat. How? What? Where is she in this car? Is she on her back on the floor? Is the seat pushed all the way back? I'm not understanding the mechanics of how... Because they're, they're, they don't get out of the car, because when the animals attack, no. they're still in the car. But look at the upper left-hand panel about how she is sitting or laying down, taking her clothes off. Mm-hmm. Think about how cars are designed. Yeah. Did they take out the Well, she was in the seat? back seat, and she just slithered on her back into the front, and only a way that you can do in a comic book panel. You can't do that. That's not possible. This is a two-seater car. Where is the seat? <laughs> I call foul no, there's on you, a, Mr. No, Seeley, it's not a two-seater car. Foul. There's a back seat. No. It's, it's a four-door. It's, it's a four-door. There's a back, back seat. seat. No, it's not. Look at the way she's sitting and the way – think about the, the passenger seat of the car. 
there's no way she could be able to sit that like on the floor. I mean, it's just, I mean, she on the seat is the seat folded down. I just, I'm not, maybe I'm over nitpicking. I don't know. <laughs> you might be, you might be. I'm not sure. One thing I really like is that even though this comic came out 15 years ago this month in 2004, it doesn't really feel dated. Like as you're reading it, it's not like, oh yeah, this comic is 15 years old. It feels like it could have happened this year, last year, whatever. Until you get to pages like when Todd is walking to his car when we first arrive in Eminence, Indiana, and he's singing So Complicated off of Avril Lavigne's debut album. It is funny, though, that um, Tim and Stefano decided to make the killer very similar looking to Vlad. I mean, Vlad's got gray, green, brown. His skin color changes a lot with the artist. I'm going to point that out right now. We're not going to go over it every single time it happens. Vlad's skin changes a lot. He's like a chameleon. It does. It does. And I do have to admit that the first time I read this comic, not being somebody that was really well-versed in comics, they weren't something I had read a lot of when I first picked this up, I did kind of have to really pay attention to whether it was Bobby or Vlad, because sometimes I would just read the bubbles, not really pay attention to the art, and I did get them mixed up a little bit. I did. I mean, they're two big, like, hulking behemoths with masks on their face. Now, switching over to getting to the gist of the story, when they meet Lisa, Lisa mm-hmm. becomes a really important character, and I, they become part of a group called Hack Slash Inc. We'll get there eventually, but they do come back up, which we're not going to get into spoiler territory. <laughs> so hopefully you've read the comic books before you listen to the podcast. If not, then enjoy us for the ride and go buy the comic books or the, the omnibuses or, or download the... Uh, you know they're down. They're downloadable if you have Hoopla, which is a library app. The comic book, I think itself, like going through page by page, is somewhat violent. But the violence is very much off camera for a while until later issues. Yes, it is. Well, I mean, except for, you know, mowing down cats in the van. That was pretty forward violence in this issue. <laughs> Just my opinion. Would you ever rock an outfit like Cassie, Cassie has? Maybe if it's warm enough. Also, I get cold very easy. Do you get a sense that this is their first or maybe second mission together after they've met? Because Vlad's asking questions that seem like they have just started. Yeah, that is something that I had kind of wondered as I was going through this comic was um, because it does tell how Vlad and Cassie met a little bit. But there isn't really a good indicator of how long they've been together. And it does seem a little... Like, they're not as used to each other the way that you would think two people that have been traveling and doing this together for a really long time would be. Cassie was hunting for a long time by herself before she met Vlad. So how long she's been doing this, I'm not entirely sure. Cassie is like 22, 23, 24 at this point in the con. It seems like from an upcoming miniseries we will get to eventually that uh, she is uh, she leaves her foster family right when she's like 17 or 18. On the first drawings of Cassie and Vlad, it is stated that Cassie is five foot eight and 120 pounds with a lanky body. Breasts are a B cup or so, not very big. Which, as you can see during subsequent drawings of Cassie, uh, artists definitely chose to take a bit of artistic liberty in that area. Her hair is kind of cropped and floppy, and she has big light blue eyes. It also states that uh, Vlad has a humpback with protruding shoulders, and on a later model sheet for Vlad, 
it says that he has no eyebrow hair, a prominent brow, smaller eyes, a big wide chin and jaw. Uh, He wouldn't have perfect teeth. His teeth aren't rotted, but some are angular and out of shape. The, the the depictions of the animals being all pet cemetery ish, uh, I thought was yes. fantastic. They absolutely looked really terrifying. I really wish uh, this artist would do more horror comics, but he's obviously having a great career at Marvel, so <laughs> <laughs> that probably pays a little better than doing a uh, independent book sometimes. Maybe, maybe. But I really do like how the uh, I like the chunks of skull missing. You can see the brains. Very creative. Ten out of ten. I like to see the brains. Flipping through the issue, getting to where the truth comes out about what happened to Bobby, uh, there is a <laughs> panel in the middle of the story which shows all these other slashers. And we have like a Freddy Krueger-like slasher, an It slasher, what appears to be like a hockey mask wearing slasher in the upper right-hand corner. But uh, yeah. So it could be kind of like... The Jay pinhead Man. without the pinhead yeah, guy. Yeah, the pinhead without the pinhead oh, with the no. tic-tac-toe. And then a couple in the upper left-hand corner could be really anybody. It's a shame that the copyright for certain characters makes it a bit harder to try to use these uh, very famous slashers. When Bobby finally attacks and him and Vlad are going at it, we see Vlad's face right away. And it looks still looks human, but Bobby is absolutely, you know, has a shocked look on his face of like, oh, you're as ugly as I am. Yeah, I noticed that as well. No, he ain't. Bobby, you ugly. I like that. Uh, I do like, though, that they gave him the red eyes like the animals that he has brought back. Because did we mention that Bobby is the one that is bringing back the animals? Right. From the dead. But how is he doing it? He's a slasher. But how is he doing it? Well, some slashers are imbued with magical abilities. Oh, so it's the unwritten magic part of the story that they didn't explain. Yes. I oh. was, yeah, I was, that, that's the point I was trying to get to is they don't really <laughs> explain the real, like they explain how he died and because he's, a, you know, he comes back because horror movies, you kind of, you know, the unkillable serial killer comes back. The, 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 the animals just come back because. Just because, because they do. Okay, you got me. Yeah, right. All right. I just want to point that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fell for it. Gotcha, gotcha. After Bobby is killed, which by the way, one of the few times you see uh, Cassie use a gun. Cassie uses blunt instruments like her famous bat or, uh, you know, stabby pointy objects. Not a gun most of the time. Yeah. Things that are just available. She takes a shower and sees the visage of her mother in the shower, which will come back later on. We will get to it eventually. Uh, And then it ends with, like, one of these uh, demonic animals still being alive and attacking this, uh, this dog. Yes. The ads in this comic book, which you don't have but I have in the floppy, are from Duel Masters, which is a Japanese fighting uh, card game of some kind. I am not familiar with what Duel Masters are, but I am familiar with what Final Fantasy Online was for the PS2. I did. I definitely played that. That was a lot of fun. Did we mention that this came out in 2004? Which, very, like, I find end, absolutely crazy because in 2004 I was a senior in high school. Ah, I was uh, 24. Uh, then we have an ad for Xenosaga on the PlayStation 2, Greatest Hits. Uh, Xenosaga was like a mech suit armor RPG kind of game. Very cool. Uh, then we have an ad for Kryptonics. It's a skateboard thing, I think, or a motorcycle. I don't know what... Oh, the all-new chopper in a box. Oh, it is a skateboard. Okay. It's a skateboard. Um, I wouldn't know. Then we have... 
How many pages is this comic book? 48? 48? 44. 44. Yes. Then behind the the hack slash movie credits, we have a pinup by Andrea DeVito with uh, Vlad with his giant meat cleaver stabbing one guy and Cassie about to bash the heads into what looks like vampires. They look like vampires. I like it. Um, which doesn't come up that often in Hack Slash until we get to a certain sultry 45, 50-year-old character, which uh, we won't get to for quite some time. <laughs> I'm excited. I know. In like five years, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we have oh, an man. ad for for upcoming stuff coming out from Devil's Due Press. It, and by the way, at the bottom of it, just above upcoming books, it says, Line of the Month. I destroy every slasher I can find. I hate them. Because I'm afraid I'm just like them. Let's go get some donuts. Cassie Hack, Hack Slash number one. I think that's such a great example of her as a character. Um, and just how she her life. The upcoming <laughs> books that they list are Voltron number five. G.I. Joe number 30, which I was both reading at the time. This is, by the way, the G.I. Joe comic book Devil Juice Press published was a continuation mm-hmm. of the Marvel comic before IDW did their original numbering continuation. And this comic book, That's by the way, the publication date of it was September 12th, 2001. Oh, my God. By mere coincidence, wow. they published G.I. Joe number one the day after the terrorist attack. And we needed a great American hero now more than ever. And I thought it was incredibly just poetic justice. You know what I mean? Like, it was so yeah. poetic justice. But so, like, we needed an American hero, and we got it, you know, in comics at least. Which is where most of our American heroes come from anyways. True, the army. G.I. Um, <laughs> Joe Reloaded was kind of like a, hey, what if G.I. Joe existed today kind of story. I didn't really get into it that much. Other comic books that were published were uh, Legacy, which I'm not sure too much about, The Seventh Shrine, Micronauts, Street Fighter had had a comic book. And then they also listed oh, I've heard of that. for June, so they're the, the next <laughs> issue coming out in June. Uh, there's a Devil's Due aptitude test that we could take. <laughs> Follow the SATs. Anyone want to get into the really good schools? Like the Rocco, the Rocco Burger Flipping Institute? Who wrote this? Oh, my God. You know, somebody from Devil's Due Press follows this show on Twitter. We might have to ask him about that aptitude test when he comes on. Uh, and he'll go into yes, a little I think bit that would be a very good question. What was that? I think that would be a very good question. We'll get into the history of Devil's Due Press eventually. It's a juicy history. G.I. Joe Reloaded number three has a picture of Roadblock standing in front of Abraham Lincoln's statue at the Lincoln Memorial. Um, And then uh, we have G.I. Joe Master and Apprentice number one, which is a Snake Eyes Kamakura origin story. And then in the back cover, we have Optimus Prime from Transformers Armada for the Transformers video game from Atari, which came out on the PlayStation 2. The Ultimate Conflict Begins, May 11th. And I had that game and played it, and it was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Were you a PlayStation? Are you a PlayStation fan? Did you have PS2? Look, I mean, I had it, but my video gaming didn't really go past Crash Bandicoot. That's that's, That's it. That's all I got. I mean, I I did recently get into, like, Call of Duty, World War II, but literally those are the only two games I've pretty much played. I'm not cool in that sense. I'm just not. What did you think of the overall first issue of Hackslash? I really liked it. It wasn't the first issue that I had read, but I think that if it was, 
you know, the first issue of Hackslash that I had read, it would make me want to pick up more issues. Because like I said, it does a really good job of presenting the whole story and the story itself. I love, you know, obviously a badass chick that goes around and hunts down and whoops ass all these slashers. And then I really like the character of Vlad. I thought he was really surprising because I didn't expect him to be, I don't know, I kind of expected him to be a little bit more less talkative and I don't know like more dumb just like just the muscle you know kind of like um Bane and Batman and Robin I think that's kind of what I expected the movie that's what I expected Vlad to be like but I really like you know her backstory and how they work together and how the whole thing is set up I was first exposed to Hack Slash with this issue as well I I um Oh, sorry, not as well, because you said this wasn't your first issue. I was first exposed to Hackslash with this issue. Way to yeah. listen to me. Yeah, I know. I don't really care. <laughs> That's Entertainment in Worcester, Massachusetts. Had the issue there. I did not subscribe to it. I did not know who Tim Seeley was. I didn't know much about Devil's Due Press other than uh, the publication of G.I. Joe. And I saw the advertisement for it. I was like, ooh, that's coming? What's that? And I got the first issue. I got the second issue. However, I didn't buy any more of the uh, hack slash stuff until the Chucky issue. And that's when I found out they were doing the ongoing. And then I had to go to a comic book convention and it found all the subsequent back issues in the quarter bin. So I was able to get them very quickly. Nowadays, you're not nice. going to find these issues in a, in a quarter bin. Definitely not the ones published by no. WD Press. Um, I actually, I think it was issue three of Resurrection. That was my first hack slash issue. Just recently. <laughs> the, I fell in love fast. The comic book has certain ties to certain movies. Uh, and I'm not going to go into a giant review of what these movies are. Hopefully you know them by name. Pet Cemetery, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and The Toxic Avenger. Now, The Toxic Avenger, you might be thinking, really? How? Bobby's origin story is very similar to The Toxic Avenger. Except for he wasn't yes. killed by people on purpose. His was an accident when he falls in a toxic waste. That's where it falls into the I know what you did last summer thing where they accidentally kill somebody, even in that word, but they hide the body. In this, they, they purposely yeah. try to do something to him. I'm trying to think of what other movie they purposely try to kill somebody other than Freddy Krueger, but that's really stretching it with like trying to make that connection between the comics to a, a film that came out. You know, there's a lot of vigilante justice in certain movies or whatever, but I just wanted to pick those kind of three movies. And of course, Pet Cemetery with the animals that come back. And we're on the eve of Pet Cemetery coming out this Friday at the time we're recording this, which is March 31st. Awesome. 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 Yeah, I actually didn't catch that. I know what you did last summer reference the first time, but yeah, now that you explained it, I totally get it. It just took me a minute. I also want to point out, because it is March 31st, and we're, we do a podcast called Goth Girl Horror, emphasis on the word yes. goth, that this is the anniversary of the death of one of the best-known goths of the 90s, one of the best-known goth movies of the 90s, The Crow. I would say of all time. My opinion. In 1993, unfortunately, during the filming of The Crow, we lost Brandon Lee. He was shot with a bullet, fragment of a bullet from a prop gun, it went into his heart and killed him. Yes. And that's why we have gun safety like the way we do in movies these days with prop masters and such. So I wanted to dedicate the first episode of Goth Girl Horror to the memory of Brandon Lee's performance from The Crow and Brandon Lee himself. Because that is the gothest movie of the 90s I can think of besides maybe The Craft, maybe Dark City. But The Crow really kind of is like the gothest movie of the 90s and not The Matrix. I agree. <laughs> Someone said, what about no, The Matrix? No, not just makeup. No, The Matrix is cyberpunk noir. <laughs> <laughs> but they were wearing 
black. That's what makes it goth, right, guys? Right, 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 right. <laughs> no, I think being brought back from the dead on Halloween is as goth as you're going to get. The crow? <laughs> Hello. That's that's his story. He got, he comes back from the dead on the night he died. Don't forget, he was going to get married on Halloween. <laughs> yes, because that's how Goss do it, right? And gee, what's going to happen in the hack slash universe involving the crow? Why would I possibly be bringing up the crow? Hmm. <laughs> if you're not, just in case Why? you're not aware, the next big crossover <laughs> happening with Cassie after the Chaos Comics com- crossover is finished is she is going to fight the crow. I don't know what version of the crow because there's multiple versions of the crow. Anybody can be the crow, really. She's gonna fight the crow in the in the hack slash versus crow or the crow versus hack slash uh, team up with uh, I, uh, IDW, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, if you can believe it. Now, wasn't there something about a crow reboot with but Jason Momoa? Not bring that up. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> shame on you. Back into your corner, you go. <laughs> shame, shame. Yeah, much shame. shame. I mean, at one point, it's Jason Momoa. I've heard Jared Leto. God, I, I, the list no. of actors I've heard to play the remake of The Crow. Did you know there was a Crow TV series at one point? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was in syndication. It was, it was Eric. It was Eric's story again. Oh, see? No, no. I don't like, no. But that's video. a whole other podcast to talk about The Crow. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> that's on track. And we wanted to spotlight a goth girl. I said, maybe we won't, maybe we will. Um, The original co-host of this podcast was a woman named Kyrie Coffin, who had been on my show Radio of Horror. An absolutely lovely... I think she'd be a great goth girl for our first one. She is an absolutely stunning, beautiful specimen of a woman, in my soul. very gentleman-like. What was that? (laughs) It was very gentleman-like. Yes, thank you. Uh, um, you can find her on Twitter at Kyrie Coffin. Be respectful. She's also on Instagram. I think she's had some trouble with her Instagram, so I'm not 100% sure. She is from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and a lot of the concept art that she creates is of her own design and ideas. And she recently did a Blood and Guts or Blood and Babes, one of those type of magazines, I think, horror magazine photo shoot. At the top of her Twitter, you'll see pictures of her with a like spotlighted pentagram with like black tape on her nipples and like devil horns. She looks very classy. As horrific, gothic, sexy as you could possibly get. Yes. Definitely recommend checking her out. Again, she is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I don't believe she has her own website, but uh, if you are a photographer and you want to work with her, you can reach out to her. I highly recommend it. She's a very sweet girl. We unfortunately weren't able to work together for this podcast, but uh, I definitely recommend checking her out if you are into goth models. I agree. Sorry, people. You got me instead. Yeah, unfortunately, we're stuck with this one. <laughs> so every episode, we're going to try to spotlight a different goth girl. Maybe not every single episode. I think we should just have a goth girl of the month. Because yeah. we only do two episodes in a month. You can right. plug her twice. Or any uh, other week. Plug we her might do, social we media might information right. twice. Sorry, I'm laughing at my own joke. It's okay. We're all laughing at you as well. <laughs> Anywho. The music for the episode is by the band Devil's Mirror, The Cave, and it's by a local musician to Massachusetts named Corey, who has been a longtime friend of mine. Uh, he's been on the show a couple times, and uh, I have the absolute most utmost respect for him. And this was, song was originally going to be part of a different podcast, but it didn't quite fit what I wanted. I think it definitely fits here. So you can go on his YouTube channel and check it out, or check out his band, The Devil's Mirror. I really like the song. I think it's very fitting. 
Definitely. Well, that's pretty much it for this episode of Goth Girl Horror. Uh, we covered all the points that we wanted to get to. Next episode will be a little bit more streamed down, but we had a lot of introduction stuff to kind of do here and there. Again, we're going to be doing one issue per podcast until we start getting into double publication months. So just keep that in mind. And they will be in publication order, not in, in chronological order. So we didn't start with My First Maniac. We're not going to be doing uh, Hack Slash Vampirella anytime soon, because that does take place early on in the career of Cassie and Vlad. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to send us an email, you can. ThatRadioHorror at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at... Goth Girl Horror. I am also on at ChrisDSAV on Twitter, which is the Radio Horror Show's main Twitter. And you are at... Mad But Magic. Yes. There's no Instagram. We don't have a Facebook page. I'm probably not going to create a Facebook page for this. We don't need multiple social medias to kind of reach a fan base. Um, I already run so many other things. (laughs) I don't, but I'm just lazy and don't think I can do it. A little bit of backstory about the both of us. I run multiple podcasts and a horror show. I'm also the writer of a Dracula gender swap comic book, and I live in Massachusetts. I live uh, close to Salem, Massachusetts, let's just say. I am pretty much just a mom who really loves horror movies and comic books, and I am in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, currently. So you can send those messages to middle of nowhere, Illinois, P.O. Box. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) We'll be back in two weeks. Two weeks after this episode posts, we will do Girls Gone Dead. Thank you to everybody for tuning in to the first episode of Goth Girl Horror, a hack slash podcast. We have a long journey ahead of us too by the way mm-hmm. i also like to thank tim seeley for writing such an amazing comic book right tim seeley greg eldner and hash slash inc for all of their help as well because they both had contributions yes. toward the show for information i desperately needed we're not going to be posting sales numbers of what hack slash was and the zycon of like versus marvel and dc not really that relevant. The publication date for Hackslash, this issue of Hackslash was... April 1st, 2004, as far as I found. Thank you, everybody, and have a good night. Night, everybody!